Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no Spice Girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. Just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent, only in theaters May 17th. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Good morning, peeps, and welcome to Woke AF Daily with me, your girl, Danielle Moody, back recording from the home bunker. Friends, I'm very excited to bring to you today an interview with Brad Jenkins, who is the president and CEO of AAPI Victory Fund. And, you know, we get into a conversation about the Asian American and Pacific Islander community this very complex and diverse and layered community and how it is oftentimes overlooked in this country when we're talking about the electorate, right? We are always talking about, you know, suburban voters and we know who the fuck that is. And then we talk about the black vote and will black people turn out? Then we talk about the Latinx vote, right? And this growing population. But folks, the AAPI community is one of the fastest growing communities in the country with over 20 million citizens in this country from over, you know, 30 different countries. And Brad will break down to us, you know, some startling news that came up in their latest report that was done by AAPI Victory Fund, along with their progressive coalition members that set off kind of alarm bells in my head about once again how Democrats seem to be neglecting these growing populations and also their base, which is Black people and Black women, in order to tend or run after the white vote, which they haven't had in decades. And so, you know, as I'm talking to Brad, you know, he is, and by virtue of this report, signaling the fact that Democrats are losing a foothold in this community. I won't give away what he says in the interview, but I will say this, that, you know, by the time that you listen to this, right, um, we will still have a handful of days until polls close, meaning that people have been early voting. 
election day is the last day, right? Is how we look at it nowadays is the last day to vote. And we have no idea where things are going to end up. And President Biden spoke about the fact that people are going to need to be patient because votes are going to take time to be counted. This is just our new normal, unless something is a blowout, which no elections really going forward will in fact be blowouts. We won't know on election night who won, right? And in this upcoming midterms, it's truly hair raising and terrifying because the balance of power is either going to rest with a party that believes in preserving democracy, believes in human decency, believes in equity and justice, or with a rabid cult that believes in violence, that champions lies, and that celebrates ignorance. And so, you know, as I talk to my friends who are from, you know, around the U.S. and are children of immigrants or are immigrants themselves, and they're watching their own elections at home be razor thin and recognizing that this push for fascism and authoritarianism isn't unique to the United States. It is happening everywhere. And the religious right and white evangelical Christians and, you know, fascists and Nazis and all of these people have their tentacles in all countries. And so are we going to wake up to that, right? Or are we going to wake up, you know, several days after the election, wondering what it's going to be like to stand in breadlines, wondering what it's going to be like to not have social safety nets like Social Security and Medicare to recognize that, you know, we have a politicized and weaponized Supreme Court that is gutting civil liberties and rights. And what happens to a desperate and broke people? There is nothing more that signals revolution than all of the things that I just named. So we are living in frightening times and there is no one, no community, no vote um, should be left behind. And so that's the conversation that I'm getting into next with the president and CEO of AAPI Victory Fund, Brad Jenkins. Hey, I'm David Plotz of Slice Political Gab Fest. As another election season accelerates, it can be tricky to sort through all the noise and the news. Each week on the Gab Fest, John Dickerson, Emily Bazelon, and I decipher the headlines, break down the races, and tell you what issues really matter. We do not always agree. We definitely do not always agree. But we always deliver thoughtful debate, and we always have a good time. So subscribe to Slate's Political Gap Fest. New episodes every Thursday. Folks, I am very excited to welcome to Woke AF Daily for the first time, President and CEO of AAPI Victory Fund, Brad Jenkins, who is also a former associate director of the White House Office of Public Engagement under Obama, uh, our forever and favorite president. Uh, So, Brad, um, you know, first, I want to give you an opportunity to uh, tell people uh, exactly what AAPI Victory Fund is and what you all focus on. Yeah, well, first off, thank you so much for everything you do, um, which is education, firing people up, huge fan. Um, so presidency of API Victory Fund, and my name is Brad Jenkins, which I know is the worst Asian name of all time. So I'm sure <laughs> are very confused. Like what, what is this? Um, what in the blackness? Um, I, yeah, my dad, my dad is black, my mom is Korean. So 
so that's where that's where that comes from. But uh, you know, we're the first Asian American super PAC. We were formed about eight years ago. Norm Mineta, may he rest in peace, um, founded it with our our chair, Shaker Naramison. And you know, look at the end of the day, our community is always overlooked when it comes to voting for a lot of different reasons. And so there's this vicious cycle. Our community votes the least of all communities. Asian Americans mm. vote the least. They're the least civically engaged. They're the least uh, uh, least available to donate, right, of all communities, which is crazy if you think about it. So um, I took over the helm about a year ago to change that. And the, the biggest reason why was we were facing a moment, right, a moment of Asian hate a moment where Donald Trump was weaponizing words against our community that was leading to very real violence and discrimination in the streets. And it was great that we were sort of galvanizing and coming together, but we weren't seeing that at the ballot box. And so uh, our work this year and our work beyond November is to really change that, that dynamic, is to make sure that Asian American voters um, are invested in, that we are thought of and centered in polling and data and, and voter turnout. Because at the end of the day, all of the candidates that we care about, right, especially candidates like Stacey Abrams or Ralph Warnock or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, mm-hmm. folks who are in Nevada, folks who are in uh, Arizona, they're not winning without Asian American votes. So uh, we are working in lockstep. Speaking of a lot of those folks, like Senator Warnock and others, we're working very closely with to turn out the vote to win. So so let's unpack a couple of things uh, that, that you stated that, you know, I are, are of surprise to me, which is one, why does the AAPI community vote the least? Um, and and what is what is the thing? And, and again, we, we will talk about uh, the report that was done by your organization in coalition with a, a group of other progressive organizations kind of digging into this issue. But why is it that they vote the least? And what do you believe um, should, is, the, is an activation point that maybe Democrats have been missing? Yeah. Uh, well, there are a lot of reasons why. I mean, the biggest reason, in my opinion, I mean, we see this in polls, is, you know, campaigns, candidates, uh, parties, you know, the Democratic Party in particular, they're, they're not investing to actually reach our voters. So, um, You'd be surprised. I think a lot of folks just assume, well, you know, maybe this community, by the way, our community, which is very diverse, right? I mean, there's like 30 different countries and nationalities mm-hmm, and languages. Mm-hmm. So that in and of itself makes it challenging for the Democratic Party or state Democratic parties to reach our community, especially in language, in culture, in religion. So because of that, it just costs more and it's more, uh, more labor intensive and it's work. To reach our community to turn out to vote, and I think the second thing, and this is a generational thing, uh, especially for my, you know, my mom who's a Korean immigrant, and a lot of um, Asian Americans, younger Asian Americans, talk about that older generation. You know, the culture of voting is just not as embedded um, in a lot of these immigrant communities, and so the idea of being an active citizen, running for office, being, you know, holding elected officials accountable, not as present. Um, in a lot of in a lot of our 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 parents' generation, our grandparents' generation, but what we're finding and the exciting thing for me is that this younger generation, eighteen to thirty four year old Asian Americans, very different. 
very, very different. Voting at higher rates, very progressive as it relates to, you know, issues like Black Lives Matter, issues like climate change, issues like abortion access. And so we're breaking that cycle. In fact, in 2020, you know, largely because of Donald Trump, we can kind of thank him for galvanizing mm-hmm. our community together. Mm-hmm. Asian Americans voted at the highest rates that we've ever voted before in 2020, um, especially in early vote numbers. So it's happening. I think that you're, you're starting to see our community understand that, you know, Donald Trump, you know, his hatred was for everyone. His hatred was directed at Black people, at LGBTQ, at immigrants, right? Um, and also at Asian Americans. And so there's a, you know, a reckoning, right? There, there's, a, there's a realization and awareness that we have to be in solidarity with the Black community. We have to be in solidarity uh, with the immigrant rights community. We have to be in solidarity with the LGBTQ movement because it's like that you know, old adage, you know, they're coming for us next. Right. And clearly, Trump was coming for us. You know, Kung flu and Wuhan and all of this awful rhetoric every single day from the White House it led to real deaths. It led to real violence in the streets. And so the exciting thing, as you mentioned, is that organizations that typically have never invested in Asian American research, you know, organizations like Planned Parenthood, organizations like NARAL and League of Conservation Voters, all came together to do the biggest, most comprehensive poll of Asian American voters than we've ever done before. Um, Largely because they all want to (laughs) win. At the end of the day, it's like, Yes, it's good. We should understand where Asian American voters are, but we all need, we all know what's at stake. We know democracy is at stake and we know we are not going to win these elections if we are just completely overlooking the Asian American community. So while it's a good thing to do, right? Obviously we should always be including Asian American polling and we should be reaching out to the Asian American community because it's the right thing to do. At the end of the day, you know, my job is to win elections. Right. My job is making the case that if we want to win, we want to win in Pennsylvania. We got to turn out Asian Americans in Philadelphia. Right. If we want to win in Nevada, we have to turn out Filipinos in Clark County. Um, If we don't, then these big elections, right, whether it's John Fetterman, you know, whether it's Cortez Massa, we are going to lose. So uh, it's an exciting moment for our community. It's a moment that, again, there's still a lot of work that we need to do uh, in catching up to, you know, a lot of larger institutions, but it's work that we're really proud of. So, you know, I want to talk a bit about Trumpism and the rise of uh, uh, Asian hate Um, and the way, you know, you mentioned with all of the rhetoric that surrounded the, the, the beginning uh, of the coronavirus pandemic um, and how that rhetoric translated into into violence. Um, you know, I, it's it's as as an outsider looking into the community, I've always looked at the AAPI community as one that is readily ignored, right? Um, that is that is yet still put up uh, in many ways portions of the community as the model quote unquote minority, but then readily ignored. Right. With the violence and the issues uh, that are facing the community. And so do you think that as we are seeing once again a rise in anti-Semitism, the consistent, 
you know, rise in uh, in anti-blackness that Democrats do a good job of being able to weave together all the ways in which the right has pitted communities against each other, right? Um, but then are using the same tactics, but yeah. just with different targets at different times. So are Democrats exploiting what it is that the right is doing as a way to forge this coalition that, frankly, Obama had in hand and then he left and it left with him? I, I couldn't agree more. No, Democrats are not doing a good enough job. And I'll just say, and by the way, I think that, um, and I, I would, I think that probably the Democratic Party would agree to it, that there, there needs to be a lot more work when we're talking about intersectionality. We're talking about building power as communities of color together. And you're right, you know, I'm a, I'm an Obama baby, right? So I'm like, I, I volunteered for the president. I then worked for him in the White House. And it was easier to do under an Obama administration because he embodied it. He embodied it front to back from staffing to the rhetoric. You know, it was all really about how do we bring all of these disparate communities of color together in common purpose to win. And I think you're exactly right. I think the one thing that Trump did a very good job of is pitting communities against each other. Um, and we saw that. I mean, we saw that play out a lot with Asian American violence. We saw a lot online viral videos pitting the Black community against the Asian American community. I mean, this is not new. We, they've been doing this to the Black and Asian American community forever. You know, like mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Since, since there's been redlining and since poor people have lived in concentrations of poverty, you know, Black people and Asian people have been pitted against each other. And so the short answer is no. But the, the, the exciting thing is, you know, that's where groups like ours come in, because that's the first thing I did when I joined the Victory Fund was we reached out to Collective PAC, which is the largest African-American PAC. We reached out to the Latino Victory Fund, which is the largest Latino PAC. And we formed an MOU together to say, we got to share all this data. We got to work together when we're knocking doors. We have to fundraise together. We have to do donor pitches together. Because to your point, we cannot let them divide us. That's, how, that's a recipe for success with the right, right? Is when we start feeling like, oh, well, you know, the Asians, <laughs> I don't, we don't really care about the Asian violence. We care about our, our issues. Um, and we saw a little bit of that play out in a lot of local elections. Uh, this past year or past two years. And, you know, our work this year is really breaking that cycle in a state like Georgia. You're seeing it on the ground because we have just an incredible ticket. We have Senator Warnock. We have B. Wynn, who's running for secretary of state, a young Asian American woman who's incredible. And then obviously we have Stacey Abrams. And the three of them, as they're going out to communities, not just black communities, not just Asian communities, not just Latino communities, all communities, they're doing it together. They're doing it coordinated and they're bringing all of these disparate communities together. So it's hard work. I mean, at the end of the day, this work isn't easy. Um, and I do think that the one thing I will say about these communities is that, you know, a lot of money and a lot of polling and a lot of conversations on NPR and, <laughs> you know, <laughs> MSNBC and CNN focus on white voters. We love to talk about white voters. We love to talk about whether they're college educated, what kind of minivans they drive, if they're soccer moms, you know, like if they work in coal mines, like all of that work is focused on white voters. And at the end of the day, 
the opportunities, and, and I, we want to thank Woke AF for giving us this opportunity, very rarely are Asian Americans even mentioned, right? There's 24 million Asian Americans in this country. But if you were to turn wow. on the news, you would not think that we even vote, nope. that we are even a part of the conversation. So the other thing that we, we are really trying to do here and working with our friends at Collective Pack and others is that, you know, we when we do get that spotlight, when we as organizations do get shine, we want to bring our partners together, you know, and, and give them the opportunity to shine as well. So it's a lot of work, you know, it's it's not going to happen overnight, but it's work that we just have to do if we want to win. Get a behind-the-scenes look at Comedy Central's The Daily Show on Beyond the Scenes, an original podcast from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Every week, host Roy Wood Jr. goes deeper with the notable guests and experts from the Emmy Award-winning series. Together, they use comedy to tackle current topics from gentrification to gun laws and take a closer look at how and why these topics matter. Listen to Beyond the Scenes from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday. Let's talk about um, your the report um, that was done by the Progressive Coalition, um, where in it, and you know, and I'll allow you to lay out the the specifics, but where in it, um, it it there is an alarming stat, which is that you know support for Democrats has fallen, and I believe it was from fifty four percent to 51%. Now, when I say that, people will hear, well, it's still above 50%, so we're fine. On the on the opposite side, uh there's been a rise by 2 percentage points to support for Republicans. And I sit here and I say to myself, Brad, how the hell does that happen when you have an entire Republican party that was out here essentially raising the flag? for Asian hate, essentially pointing at this community and saying, oh, you see these people that are on the trains and on your subways and in the stores and whatever, they're the reason why you're, you know, held up quarantine in your home. That's essentially what they did. So how in the hell do you see a tick up in support for Republicans and a tick down for support with with Democrats in, in the report that you, along with your coalition members, put together? Yeah, well, first off, thank you for, for reading the report. And it's alarming. I mean, again, it shows that we as Democrats have not done a very good job of educating, right, and telling the story of what this party, what this president, what a lot of our elected officials have done to get us out of the muck of the Donald Trump administration. The, the short answer is why is honestly, it's, you know, a majority of Asian American voters, much like the majority of most voters, not just Asian Americans, feel like the country's on the wrong track. They the the cost of living, inflation, cost of, you know, gas prices, all of these things have risen and the jobs in the economy are scaring a lot of our voters. So while, mm-hmm. you know, anti-Asian hate is a, an issue that's important, these other issues take priority. And and these other issues Republicans have, you know, like any other party, like any midterm, right? It's it's the party that's out of power can just say, these guys don't know what they're doing. Give us a shot. And that is resonating with, with some Asian Americans who are fearful that Democrats don't have a plan to get the economy back on track. Um, the good news with all this, though, 
Mm-hmm. There's a couple of bright spots. One, young Asian Americans do not believe. It. Young Asian Americans are essentially the base of the Democratic vote for Asian Americans. They're more progressive and fired up to vote than they've ever been. And so, again, this is a community that typically doesn't vote as high as, as you know, older Asian American voters. But this cycle, they are very motivated to vote. And so that's, that's a bright spot for me. And then the other bright spot, I think, broadly speaking, is issues like abortion access that was typically not as crucial or important of an issue for Asian Americans has skyrocketed, you know, especially among Asian American women. So you are going to find, and what we're seeing with, with early vote and some polling, that especially first-time voters and young Asian American women, they are inspired to vote up and down the ballot for Democrats. But, you know, the, the, the question that you're asking is the right one. I mean, you know, this is not going to be, not to be the Debbie Downer, I'm sure your, your listeners know. <laughs> like, I, like I need help. <laughs> this midterm is not going to be pretty. You know, it's not. I mean, I, I mean if you're just kind of looking at the numbers across the board, I think, you know, most Americans are, you know, very uneasy with the direction of the country and Democrats are in control. And so um, what I am most concerned about right now is that all of these races, right, you know, states like Pennsylvania, states like Georgia, states like Nevada, if you live in any of these states, by the way, like, God bless you, please vote, please get all of your friends to vote. the margin of victory or defeat is going to be so small. It's mm-hmm. going to be one point, two point, one and a half points. And so I know for a fact that, you know, if we're leaving any votes, you know, on the table, so to speak, or we're, you know, there are a lot of Democrats right now who are feeling a little disillusioned and don't understand, as you know, and you've been talking about on your pod, what's at stake this election? Right. How many election yep. deniers that are running and are likely going to win? Right. And what this means for our next election. Right. Whether it's Trump or DeSantis or whomever is going to be running at the top of the ticket, how many election deniers are running and could potentially win is what keeps me up at night. So we just have to do everything that we can, you know, not just at the federal level, but especially at the local level. We're doing a lot of work. I mentioned B. Wynn, who's running for secretary of state Mm -hmm. uh, in Georgia. But Steve Hobbs is another Asian American running for secretary of state in the state of Washington, like these secretary of state races are almost we know just how important, important. They are. Yep. They're just important. They are going to be there. They're our last line of defense. They're counting these votes and making sure that there's, you know, real election integrity. So, you know, again, I urge all of your listeners, you know, when you're going out to vote, please vote for democratic secretaries of state. Cause that's our last, last line of defense. Um, Brad, with, with the time that we have left, um, you know, I, I, I want to stay on the report for a second and then g- give you some closing thoughts. But, you know, in in the report as well, uh, the issues that are important to AAPI uh, voters um, is, ha- is about the inf- is about inflation, is about the economy, is about, quote unquote, kitchen table issues. I want to ask you, too, though, where does this community, your community fall as it pertains to the rise in gun violence, as it pertains to abortion, which was overturned, um, and and frankly, uh, our democracy, right? Because yeah. if you're stating earlier that, you know, yeah, Asian hate, that was a thing, but like people also need jobs, um, you know, and are concerned about meeting their day-to-day needs, 
the things that Democrats have been banging the drum on um, are, you know, the fact that our democracy is hanging on by a thread. This may, in fact, be our last free and fair election that, you know, gun violence is rampant. Um, uh, we, we have we, we don't miss a day without a mass shooting. Um, and then the overturning of Roe v. Wade. So I just also want to understand as it pertains to what Democrats have been focusing on and what your community is actually interested in, where are the overlaps or where are the where where are the gaps? It's a, it's a great question. And, you know, I, I wish I could tell you that the fate of our democracy was the top issue for Asian American voters. It's just not. It's not. Um, I mean, it's up there. Gun control, um, surprisingly, in my opinion, was number three um, mm. of the most important issues to Asian American voters. Number one was inflation and the cost of living. Overwhelmingly, that was number one. Almost half of Asian American um, voters that we polled listed that as their number one. Um, jobs in the economy was number two. And then gun violence was number three. Okay. Um, again, I don't think most people think of Asian American voters as gun violence voters, but we are. And so, again, I, you know, urge <laughs> I urge Democrats and candidates to talk about this issue. You know, people think of Asian Americans and you're like, oh, well, we should just talk about um, cookie, you know, uh, kitchen table issues. But no, I mean, gun violence and the fourth to your to your point is abortion access. So. Um, these are central issues. Uh, a lot of the other issues that follow are close. You know, healthcare is right up there. Climate change is right up there. As you go through the sort of uh, different sub-ethnic groups, what you'll find is because we are not a monolith, right? I mean, right. they're very different. You're talking to a Filipino voter in Vegas than an Indian American voter in Gwinnett County, Georgia. So these issues do change state by state. But I will say that overall, your question is right, which is, yes, 100%, we have to be talking about reducing the cost of, of living, you know, getting, you know, prices, you know, gas prices and food prices down, um, making sure that we have jobs in the economy. But particularly for young Asian American voters, they want to see a vision of what do we stand for, right? How are we fighting for abortion access? How are we codifying Roe v. Wade? What are we doing? on gun violence. There were some really great first steps this, this administration did, but clearly we have so much more to go. And so, again, we'll see in these final days, um, and you're seeing it in the debates as well, you know, I think Democrats have to do a little bit of a better job of pointing out what we are actually fighting for um, and not just, you know, trying to explain away why the economy is not doing so well at the moment. So closing arguments, right? Um, you know, when when this airs, uh, we will have heard uh, from the president uh, giving his closing argument uh, for for midterm elections. For you, Brad, and you know, AAPI Victory Fund, what would your closing argument? What is your closing argument for America? Yeah. I mean, especially for a community that feels as if their voice doesn't matter. Um, and I say this a lot, especially speaking to younger voters, where they feel like, well, our issues aren't prioritized and I don't feel like my vote, my vote matters. What I would say to you is that's what they want you to feel, right? Mm -hmm. Those in power, particularly Republicans, they want you to feel like your vote doesn't matter because that means 
in large respects, um, a lot of the status quo Republicans remain in power. And so, you know, at this moment, especially when there are so many election deniers, and I know that this is something um, that is, we're still kind of wrapping our heads around and it's almost been uh, almost normalized. It's almost normalized that almost half of Republicans still believe that Donald Trump won the election. I mean, it's, it, it, it's crazy. crazy. Um, we have to vote. And I know sometimes when you say that, you're like, oh, voting, it doesn't really matter. There's no difference between these parties. I will guarantee you there is. There is 100% a difference between these parties. And there is 100% a difference, especially at the local level, of who's going to be fighting for communities of color and who's not. And so for any, not just Asian Americans, but for anyone listening to this, you know, if you're feeling a little disillusioned, if you're not that excited about your candidate, or maybe even not that excited about Joe Biden or Kamala Harris or whomever, that's fine. But do know that this idea of democracy, this idea that we should have a say and that we should have free and fair elections, that's at stake this election cycle. Um, because Republicans believe that they can run on lies. They believe that they can literally trick the American public into believing things that just aren't true. And yep. so if you are pro-facts and pro-truth, please find other friends of yours who are maybe like, oh, I don't know that my vote is important. It is. Every single one of our votes are important. The last thing I'll say is every election cycle, all of this money is spent trying to you know, get you to vote Republican or Democrat. And the largest subset, if you look at a pie chart of the voting electorate, are people that don't vote, right? Mm -hmm. Eligible non-voters. That is yep. the biggest majority of voters. If those people voted, everything can change. Because a lot of those people that are not voting are people that look like you and I. You know, mm -hmm. people that are that are younger, people that are people of color that just don't believe that their voice matters. And so the other thing I, I say, too, is, you know, if you're not into the red team or blue team, that's fine. But you have to be for your team. <laughs> you have to be for your yes. family and for your yes. voice. And when you're not voting, you're letting other people make decisions for you. And so, you know, I hope the president makes that case. It sounds like you're right. It sounds like he's going to be making that case that. This is bigger than Republicans and Democrats. This is really about what kind of a country do we want to live in? And so you've got, we've got what, six days left to vote. <laughs> so get out there and get out there and like make, honestly, get out there and make your voice, make your voice heard. Brad Jenkins, president and CEO of AAPI Victory Fund. Thank you so much. Uh, for joining Woke AF and thank you for the work that you're doing. Um, and I hope that you will join us again post midterms and we will see where we are uh, and, and what the strategies we need to move forward in order to create the country we all want to live in. We appreciate you. That is it for me today, dear friends on Woke AF as always. Power to the people and to all the people power. Get woke and stay woke as fuck.
Get a behind-the-scenes look at Comedy Central's The Daily Show on Beyond the Scenes, an original podcast from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah. Every week, host Roy Wood Jr. goes deeper with the notable guests and experts from the Emmy Award-winning series. Together, they use comedy to tackle current topics from gentrification to gun laws and take a closer look at how and why these topics matter. Listen to Beyond the Scenes from The Daily Show with Trevor Noah on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. New episodes every Tuesday. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org.